Welcome to Cheap Wine and Good Food. This is Virginia Palencia, and I'm here today, well, not really here, but kind of here in spirit with the lovely Deborah Sabat. Say hello. 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 It's Deborah. <laughs> it's Deborah. <laughs> today, um, we're doing something a little different. I'm going to be drinking wine with my good buddy slash relative, um, over Skype, so that doesn't count as drinking alone. You it know, it does. It does no. not. No, it does no, not. no. Um, it's company. <laughs> it's completely legitimate. <laughs> um, so today we're drinking Malbecs, and we've talked about before that uh, they originally were found in France in just one region, and they used them um, really just to blend a Bordeaux. I don't know if you know this, Deborah, but I, I did some hard-hitting research through Wikipedia, and I, <laughs> I found out um, that basically some Argentinians were like, well, let's, let's give that a try and see if it would work in our climate, and it just, you know, it just it blew up. It really did, um, so much so that uh, the Chileans have a hand in it now, and even the United States, um, just trying it out in our different climates to see what works. Um, so they really weren't very popular in the States until maybe like the last 10 years. And now you kind of see them everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I would say about 10 years too. Uh, they're literally everywhere now. It's as common as Cabernet. Yeah. And, um, I don't know what most people think of when they think of Malbec, but I tend to think of kind of like an inky color. And sometimes like the flavor can be a little more intense, a little exciting, maybe even sometimes a little spice if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's spicy. I find I find that the body varies pretty wildly. The traditional Mavic is a full body wine, mm-hmm. um, but I've occasionally run into a thinner, lighter bodied Malbec, which to me doesn't feel like a true Malbec. Yeah. So here's a question: Do you chill your red wine? Do you chill your Malbecs? Uh, the only time I consider chilling my reds is in the summer. Okay. I like There's to <laughs> like unless it's a, unless it's a red that's meant to be chilled like a gamay or something mm-hmm. like that that is always served chilled. Yeah. Um, but during the colder seasons, I don't think necessarily to yeah chill the reds. But in warmer seasons, for sure. I like to chill a lot of the Spanish wines because I got into that habit, and that's really just the norm there. Um, so sometimes, like for a Malbec or Chianti. I'm going to stick it in the fridge for about maybe just an hour to like get it down to 60 degrees. And sometimes okay. that smooths out the intensity. And that's yeah. a little hack I learned. And it's funny if people aren't used to that because they're like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that to red wine. It breaks all the rules. But I'm like, what do you think that wine fridge is for, son? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Now, do you find, though, with certain wines, I imagine there's certain ones that you've had chilled and unchilled, the same yeah. bottle. Do you find that any of the the flavor hints are muted? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember the Chianti that we were drinking um, at my parents' anniversary, the Fontella. I'm sure I had it. Oh, (laughs) everybody had that one. That thing, like if I had a nickname for that wine, it would be Smooth Criminal. It was so smooth. (laughs) Um, And Israel and I, we had a couple extra bottles, and we popped one in the fridge. And when you put it in the fridge, it was 
you know, like this is a wine podcast. I shouldn't say it, but it basically was like it became Kool Aid. It was so drinkable. Okay. Yeah. And um, the next time we get together, we'll do like a taste test. You probably knowing you will perform the prefer like the warmer, but it was really good. It was just okay. so smooth, and it was like, oh. Like, for people that don't like red wine very much sometimes, I think, like the intense ones, I think it's helpful for them. Yes. Well, I feel like it softens things a bit. Yeah. You know? Smooths the edges, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the wines that we're drinking. You know, yeah. I forgot to introduce the whole concept of the podcast, which is I try to find... <laughs> <laughs> This is really a professional operation um, where I try to find red wine uh, under 11 bucks and I, I have somebody I care about, you know, share with me and we, and we try to find good deals. Um, it's all for the greater good. But because Deborah is a New Yorker and I mean, we're talking in Manhattan, New Yorker, finding a wine under $12, which is I think the, the goal I gave her is quite quite the challenge so tell us what you got (laughs) tell us what you got so wines under 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 11 12 is a hard thing to find and in general in my experience the ones that i've picked up under that price point are not worth repurchasing uh sometimes not even worth finishing dare i say um not that i won't Uh, (laughs) she will I feel like for Manhattan, a comparable to under 11 somewhere else is under 15. But I'm going to do my best and my most diligence to try and find bottles that are under $13. Yeah, which I think, like, compared to the rest of the U.S., is the equivalent of finding something under 10 or even 9. I, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's, I think so too. So today I picked up a Malbec. Um, Trapiche is the, the label. Um, it is from Mendoza, Argentina. It's 2017. Um, and it has a little fancy label on here saying that it's the world's 50 most admired wine brands. I feel like that's a little bold. It's, um, it's right here, this little label. Uh, it's, it's got a gold seal for those of you that can't see. International. So, however credible or whatever they are, um, drinks international. <laughs> um, so this bottle on a shelf in Manhattan was uh, 10.99, which is wow. again at the at the lower edge of what I find to be acceptable. Yeah. So um, why don't you take a sip um, and take a moment with this and uh, and tell us? She's putting her nose. She's examining the nose. She's checking out the bouquet. The nose has got a strong uh, sense of current. That's the first thing I'm smelling. I can tell that the tannins are pretty high just based on the nose. I'm going to go ahead and taste it now. Okay, so as we were talking about before, the body on a Malbec can vary quite a bit. I would describe this as one of the lighter Malbecs I've had. Oh, yeah. You can see right through it. I mean, the transparency on that bad boy uh, tells me a lot of what I needed to know before I even tasted it. So I would say it's a medium body, but it's definitely not bordering on full. And I find for a Malbec, I prefer a full. Um, It's not as light as what I would call a very light body, but this is a 
it's fairly transparent and light on the tongue. Dry, though. Okay. Definitely dry. Is it worth five ninety nine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it worth the price you paid for it? I would not repurchase it. Let's okay. say that. I mean, it's perfectly drinkable wine. I actually think that most people would would like it a lot. I I know that my taste for a fuller body is not universal. Yeah. So uh, I think that there's a wide array of audiences that would like this. And as we were talking about before, I think this would be a perfect candidate for chilling. Okay. It would definitely soften it. There's a, you know, this is room temperature and there's a real tartness to it. Um, so combining that tartness with the lighter body, it's almost a little puckery. Okay. So for somebody that prefers a light to medium body, um, and doesn't like their Malbecs complicated, this is probably not a bad way to go. Probably going to be think, a pleaser. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good candidate for that, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. And then if you um, prefer that heavier body, you might want to chill. It might even be nice to have in the summertime, but not for a heavy, intense, like, wintertime Malbec. Right. Okay. You're not going to want this with your, your heavy meals. Okay. I am really excited about my pick. I can't um, wait. <laughs> it is Atrevida Malbec. Um, it is also from Mendoza, which um, <clears throat> pretty renowned um, space in Argentina, and it's a 2016. I went to Total Wine um, to get specifically one Malbec for Valentine's Day for my husband because it's his favorite. I talked to two people that drink them on the regular and work at Total Wine. So really good, um, really great advice. And I ended up leaving with two Malbecs (laughs) and two Garnachas for myself. Hmm. Um, But I was nervous because I didn't know these people well. And it's always kind of hard to to come across what you like, especially if you're trying something new. Um, So this is, I'm going to show you. Very heavy body. Oh, yeah. It's that inky, dark purple plum that a lot of Malbecs are famous for. Okay, and I'm going to... Well, it's opaque. You can tell right away. Mm, And it's really got that dark cherry, dark kind of currant fruit um, vibe out of a good one. Oh, man. It's got a long finish and a little bit of spice, (laughs) just like how I like my men. And I'm going to tell you, I picked it up at Total Wine for $10.99. Not sure what that would translate into New York City prices, but I would guess probably under $17. I mean, I think that's bananas that our two bottles were the same list price. Yeah. In different in different yeah in different sections and um I gotta tell you this one's a little complicated I'm still feeling it and if I dare I say it without sounding like a snob people it's elegant it's a nice one I would do this again in a heartbeat and it tastes expensive which is my favorite kind of wine to give people I mean (laughs) (laughs) you like a craft leader yeah oh yeah 
So, um, you know, Deborah, we know each other well in so many regards, but it's, you know, it's podcast landia. You can't really, we can't do all our inside jokes, but one thing I, (laughs) (laughs) um, one thing I don't know about you is your wine journey and where it began. Like, how did you begin to appreciate wine? Uh, are you, do you have a wine family or wine friends or did you come onto this all on your own? Um, well, I, uh, as you may know, my first experience with wine was the Behringer white Zinfandel, the color of peaches. Um, (laughs) That's like the introductory classic 101. I mean, you know, you're like, oh, this is what wine is. It's juice. So that works for me. Uh, but I definitely would not say that I have a wine family, which is unfortunate as I've come to adore wine quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. my family's not heavy into the wine drinking. Um, my dad and his wife a little bit, but, uh, not, yeah, not excessively so. So I think that I really started to get into it once I moved to New York actually, uh, because, I mean, obviously, in addition to the absurd variety of foods and cuisines that we have here, there's a plethora of wine bars. Um, we're really big on, like, tapas and wine type of mm-hmm. places in Manhattan. Uh, well, I mean, all of New York City, let's face it. And uh, I've always had been interested, particularly in Italian reds. Mm-hmm. Um, They're a so personal I found, favorite. <laughs> I just, you know, it was my first sort of draw Um, and I sort of just started experimenting with what it was that I liked, and I found pretty quickly that I like a very dry wine, smooth, and between a medium and a full body. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it took, you know, it takes some research to figure out what it is that you like, but once you know, then you can start exploring that more and find other things that you haven't heard of that are within the parameters of your preference. Um, You know, I mean, wine is so versatile, whoever has an idea of what he wants can find it. Uh, so, you know, I think that's one really amazing thing about it. So I know what I like and I have no problem finding it. And I also have no problem doing some research to find out maybe other regions I haven't explored that have the type of wine that I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, I guess I just really started to try and explore how I felt about different weight of, you know, different body, different, um, fruit, different, uh, I mean, and different regions more generally. Um, so yeah, so I, I feel like I, I know very much what I like, but I'm always excited to try new things. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. I actually came from a very big, um, wine family, um, for my immediate <laughs> family and, you know, my grandparents and, but even still, I think I started off with white Zen. Like I think that's the I think that's the gateway drug to wine, at least in the <laughs> <laughs> in the nineties. It's, um, it's a bad one, but yeah. Yeah, which is is bananas because I can't stand sweet wines. I hate them. Oh, I hate them. I barely drink white wine um, because I have PTSD. Uh, the only one I'll touch maybe would be like a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and it's got to be uber dry and really, really cold. And it's got to be July and a hundred degrees out, you know, yes, um, yes. I'd rather just chill my reds or do a rosé at this point. If it's dry, I'm the same. I started off with, um, Cabernet cab. I started off intense 
I just, just did a 180 at one point in my life. And then I did Merlot because that was just like ubiquitous. Um, yeah, never been a huge fan. And then um, that was that was brief. And then I really settled in Italy for a long time. I still love a Sangiovese. I love a Chianti. Um, love both. Mm-hmm. And that's that's always almost always going to please me. And then I would say the last eight years, I have really, really gone hard with um, with Spain, with Garnacha, Riojas, um, and a little bit of Malbec, like, uh, you know, wines in, in South America and such. Um, but always it's the red. That's the number one for me. Yeah, same. Same here. I I, I will say that, you know, for future reference, there's a, a couple of whites that I've come across that if I'm ever going to have mm-hmm. one of those rare exceptions, I can definitely talk about what those are. Um, I feel like you're usually safe with, like, a Vermentino or a Falangina or a Gavi. Um but those are harder to find, yep. and I'm not I'm not so interested in the whites either. Like for me, it's usually red or rosé, but both have to be dry. There's a couple Spanish whites I like, and again, it's got to be like a certain condition. Um, I'm not going to reach for it most times. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It kind of has to be the only thing available on the right temperature day. <laughs> Where I've lost about <laughs> 800 liters of water through sweat, and somehow. <laughs> The wine seems like the right choice at the time, it's, not water. It sort of feels like a necessity. Yes. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, but I, one of the things I really like about New York is just like how much choice you guys have. It's it's incredible. And I know that that's a reason so many people stay. Um, this is like a complete segue. But right now, I think we just heard that Amazon pulled out of Queens Yes. Which, I don't know your feelings, but I thought, my God, Queens is one of the last places or spaces in New York where regular people can afford to live. And I love the variety in Queens. You know, that's Israel. My husband um, was born there. And usually when we go to New York, we at least spend an afternoon there. Just going to the food trucks. <laughs> you know? Oh. But, <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, and it, and it, it just makes him happy to walk around. And I get it, you know? That's that's important to him, but I've fallen in love with it too. I love all the variety, and then we go and you know live the high life back in Manhattan, which is you know also a completely different vibe. But one of the things I noticed about New York, at least in Manhattan, is every time I return, there seems to be like a new trend or a new thing or a new space. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, what's up? What's going on? What do you like to be right now? What do you think is ridiculous? <laughs> um, well, no, you're right. There's always like some trendy crap happening. Um, you know, one year it's your like broccoli rub, and then the next year it's your kale or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. we always have some 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 item that suddenly you find absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you know truffles are always huge that probably didn't start to happen until maybe 10 years ago, but now in most of your places, you're going to find something with truffle oil in it, um, which I'm ecstatic about personally. Um, but one recent thing that I saw, which I don't know if it's going to become a trend, but I sincerely hope that it will is hand pulled fresh mozzarella. Ooh. Oh, um, 
So earlier this evening, I was at this wine and cheese place in my neighborhood um, that, you know, has a cheese curator, quite literally. I mean, that's, you know, uh, and they're very serious about their wine. Um, what a I, job title. I, I realize it must sound completely ridiculous. Oh, yeah. If, if we have, like, one listener in Idaho, they're like, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, it's basically like a pet therapist. You guys are a pack of assholes. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it, I, it is not as bad as a pet therapist. But whatever, it's a restaurant. Um, and oh, wait, I'm sorry. We just lost a pet therapist listener. <laughs> oh, crap, I'm sorry. I love pets. <laughs> and they deserve to be as happy and healthy as the rest of us. <laughs> um, I just mean, you know, the idea of cheese curator sounds a little... Uh, it sounds a little yeah. pretentious, you can say. It, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Um, so you just like cheese, let's be honest. That's all I you're doing here. Cheese. I mean, I think that um, many people love cheese. So... I was at this wine and cheese place. They have a full menu of food as well, but, you know, they have extensive cheese plates more so than your average place, and they have an extensive wine list. But they always have this ever-changing menu with delicious items for whatever your dietary restrictions are. They have a lot of regular stuff if you eat everything. They have vegetarian stuff. They definitely also have gluten-free stuff if you're that kind of person. But anyway, but cheese is sort of the hot item, and they have a hand-cold mozzarella that I witnessed happening at the table next to me. Um, and this cheesemonger came over table <laughs> Cheesemonger. I mean, I'm not even making this up. Um, with, you know, a, a, a silver bowl, like a metal bowl. Um, and there was water in the bowl and there was this sort of, um, looked like a thick cut slice almost. Like if mozzarella were challah, it was like that, a slice of challah. But it was mozzarella. And wait, wait, Matsahala. Matsahala. Would you like that Matsahala? <laughs> so here they are at the stand. She's stirring things and all this business. She's stirring it all up. And then all of a sudden I see her pulling and molding. Mm. And I watch in front of me a ball of fresh mozzarella being pulled into existence. And it was an exquisite thing to watch. She put sea salt on the top of it. It was like a dinner and a show, you know, basically. And I watched the faces of the patrons as they tasted this fresh pulled mozzarella that was done right in front of them. And I uh, uh, have to return to this place and experience this thing because every. Okay. That was my terrible phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. um, No, no, that's how it was. That's what I think about. Um, food or what I love about food is no matter how cynical um, somebody is, no matter how different they feel from the person next to them, I have never in my life met somebody that wasn't purely delighted by food in some way or regard. Like it's tied to everything. I love its ability to just have people break bread together and come together Um I love the look on people's faces when they're trying something new and, and all of that, you know? And when you're yeah. talking about the, the hand-pulled, I could only think of in Hell's Kitchen, tasty hand-pulled noodles two. Not number one, <laughs> <laughs> but number two. I love watching that guy, like, just pull these noodles into formation. It's like art. I'm sure he should be wearing gloves, but I don't care because it's chili oil and... and the, the woman with the mozzarella was wearing gloves. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it doesn't always work that way. Tasty hand-pulled noodles, too. 
And I don't think I ever told you, hold on, I'm pouring wine. Let me get that on my audio. Um, it's a nice sound. Isn't it, though? It's just like watching the, uh, the cheese being pulled. My funny New York story is um, one of the times we went there, uh, I like to go in Little Italy to this one place. It's, it's really just a deli. You know, like they've got good cheeses. They've got good deli. I don't want to name the name because I'm not getting any royalties. Um, regard- <laughs> That's yeah, but it's across the street from Ferraris. Um, but what I love about it is you can, for only $4, or it might even be $3.25, Get an Arancini risotto deep fried rice ball the size of your head. You can get it vegetarian or with meat inside. And it sounds gross. They drown it in sauce. But it is, it's exquisite. And, oh, I'm telling you, it's a thing. I can't eat it all. Usually, I've never had a good experience with a giant one, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll do the little ones. I don't care. I'm just pointing out that if you're, if you know, if you go big or go home, you can do this and accomplish this for under $4. But the funniest thing, the last time we were there, there was actually, um, like, a food tour, you know? And it was, like, a bunch of people, kind of, you know, gentrified types, like, ooh. And they're all taking... Yeah, yeah, they're all taking like a little nibble of ricotta or something, right? And this guy looks over in the corner. Israel and I are having a complete food gasm. We're like, like with this giant rice ball. And the guy was like, if I give you 20 bucks, will you take me on a tour? And I was like, yeah, buddy, you're on the wrong tour. (laughs) I was like, how could you go to this place and completely miss what's great about it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's a simple thing, you know? It's a simple thing. Yeah. There's tons of food tours. You know, actually, I know somebody who runs them. Next time you're around, maybe I should hit him up and we can get him to, we can get on one of his tours. That would be fun. I actually love a good food tour for a city I don't know well. That was like a travel hack I learned a long time ago. Um, we went to Montreal a few years ago, and we booked a food tour the day, like, after we slept in from the flight kind of thing. And it was perfect because then for the rest of the week, we knew where to eat. It was awesome. Right. And it helped us kind of appreciate the yeah, culture. Right. It helped us understand the culture totally. So, like, I think it's definitely yeah, a, yeah. a cool thing to do, especially if you're outside of your comfort zone or you don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like with New York right. City, there's there's so much information out there. But then it's always kind of Yelp, well, though. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, you're missing things if you're doing only Yelp. There's just so many places I mean it's just you could eat at a different place for every meal every day and it would take you so many years to even make a dent I mean the number of restaurants is absurd Uh, so I mean if you're here for just a visit you obviously want to make the most out of that and you don't want to waste your time on stuff that's just Mm -hmm. okay when you know there's stuff that's amazing I mean it's hard to go wrong in New York but you can go wrong anywhere you know and and this place is no different and you want to make those meals be great ones. It's disappointing when it's just sort of meh. Yeah. In your opinion, um, what is the dumbest trend you've seen lately? The dumbest trend? I can tell you mine if you if you want, if you yes, need a please. minute to warm up. Um, yes. I'm in a, I'm in school right now. I'm in a PhD program and most of the people in my program are are amazing. They're they're great. But I had this one professor um, who's a hipster, and it was really, it was hard for me. It was just hard for me given my age and my my life experience. And he started talking about um, the slow food movement. Uh, 
and I, and it took me a minute to piece together what he was saying. What he was saying was people who cook at home. Wait, what? Yeah, I guess a slow food movement is the idea of you cook home cooked meals, maybe a little farm to table. But I was like, that's not a movement. That's how most people <laughs> live. Like, what the fuck? I don't, that doesn't even make sense. I felt like I should be opening a slow movement restaurant and making a killing. Because clearly, there's people in need. I mean, I got like some, I got about five dishes that are proven winners here. A lot of mediocres, but I definitely got some proven winners that will delight your tongue. And I was just, and then I actually, he, he noticed I was making a face and he was like, I noticed you're making a face. And I was like, well, sir, he told me to call him by his first name repeatedly, by the way, I couldn't do it. I was like, well, sir, I said, it just sounds to me, honestly, like what you're talking about is what most of our grandparents did. You know, like, I don't think we need to work so hard and come up with names for everything, you know? And then I think I made a joke about CrossFit. Like, why do we have to, like, lug around bricks? Why can't we just go for a walk like most people? Why do we got to be so complicated? And then later, somebody's like, you know he's a big CrossFitter, right? And I was like, oh, shit. He didn't like my work. Uh, yeah, that is mm. a huge thing, CrossFit. Um, yeah, we, we can't even go down that rabbit hole. But is there yeah. any any kind of movement that's big right now or a restaurant that's big right now that you're just kind of – Secretly or not so secretly judging. Um, I mean, I think one thing that I, I don't know, it's not super new, but one thing that I just don't enjoy that I also don't really understand is um, the foam thing on a entree. What? Oh, are you talking about like when they get really artistic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a yeah. Spaniard um, chef that got into right, so it. Is that a- Instead of there being like, you know, a balsamic reduction or some kind of coulis, there's some kind of foam that has the hint of a flavor of whatever was used in this foam. Um, you know, it's very artistic. I don't, uh, I don't understand it. And I don't especially appreciate the texture of it, to be honest. I, you know, either you like it or you don't. It's not a texture that I enjoy. When I'm having a savory meal, I don't want to feel like there's soap, um, in it oh my god uh, yeah I'm just not I don't love the phone yeah I gotta be in complete agreement without I saw I've seen it on tv when I've watched cooking shows I only want foam on my cappuccino that's it that's that's it right there that's it I just don't really it's not a pleasant thing to bite you know it belongs on a drink at some point you're just trying too hard Like, this is the truth. If you have reached the end of your creative rope and all you can do is create the idea of food, you've already lost. You know? One of the beauties or my point of this podcast, honestly, was to really just articulate most people don't know anything about wine. We're just doing it like one bottle at a time. And (laughs) And you like what you like. And you don't like what you don't like. You know what I mean? And I'm not a sommelier. But, you know, I guess if I was going to count up the bottles I've drunk over life, it's still not going to make me an expert because you just like what you like. And it's the same with food, honestly. You know, I don't think people need to go this crazy. 
But anyway, I just want to, you know, hey, thank you for your time. I know you work a crazy schedule, and this was just an awesome experience. So thanks for drinking with me. I'm going to try to, like, make a toast sound. Here we go. I did it. Oh, I'll do the same. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our episodes, please hit subscribe or take a minute to leave a rating and a review. This helps us get closer to our goal and helps other people find us and join in the fun. We really appreciate your support and we look forward to drinking more with you one glass at a time. Bye.